A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Pack Phillip Podcast, once again, brought to you by our friends at Giant Bicycles. GiantBicycles.com. Much has changed since they started in 1972. In fact, Giant has long been one of cycling's main catalysts for change. They introduced lighter, stronger aluminum frames at a time when industry standard was steel. They were the first to make carbon fiber bikes widely available to the world. They defined the look and feel of modern road racing bikes with a compact road technology, and they revolutionized off-road performance bikes with Maestro suspension. Today, the spirit of innovation is stronger than ever. Their collection of gear and apparel developed by and tested by some of the top teams and athletes in pro racing continues to expand. Their industry-leading e-bikes are redefining what's possible for riders of all abilities. The innovations serve a larger purpose. It's not about winning races and producing lighter, stronger, faster bikes. That's part of it, but it's also about making cycling more enjoyable and approachable to everyone. Check out everything at GiantBicycles.com. Thank you to them for being a part of this podcast. Speaking of podcasts, let's go do one. Yeah, let's follow that crowd. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really nice. Even though I, I did hit record um, six seconds ago. Oh, well, there we go. Well, this is where you're supposed to say it. Oh, oh, shit! Are you recording? Yes, I. As a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> oh, have we started? We started. Right on. <laughs> and this is where I pause just in case I want to edit that out. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Pack Filler Podcast. I'm Pat Bolger, still in a temporary space. But we're getting really close. I got a lot of work done. I am actually unshowered for the last 24 hours because I spent all day today working on, and I don't want to call it a bar because if I, I think if I call it a bar, it'll sound 
inviting <laughs> bar and i i don't know if i necessarily want to do that so I, I i might just call it like the console but that just sounds so heartless but anyway uh bar t- it, top of it went on today i'm finishing work should take place uh, tomorrow so we're getting closer and closer you guys uh before i get started i want to let you know some features we're adding to the show main one is that the show as many of you guys know is now weekly we will be broadcasting Mondays starting at either 5.30 or 6 Pacific, depending on, I don't know, 6 o'clock is so late, you know, and, and, and the, all the really good buffets get out by about 7 o'clock. So, <laughs> so i got to figure out a way to do that. And, and you guys, the listeners, can choose to listen live if you wish. I will be posting a link on the website for the live stream. And you are welcome to listen live or join in the chat and even call. And that's one feature. Speaking of calling, the second feature, starting... Very soon, listener qu- questions and commentary. Boy, you'd think I hadn't rehearsed this with how much I'm stammering over it. But uh, starting right now, you can call the following number, 509-315-1142. I will post that, obviously, everywhere, and you guys can find that for those of you who can't write things down. You can leave a voice message on just about any topic. Well, within reason. Let's keep it clean. I don't want you know, I don't want to be Alex Jones and get you know, busted for child porn or something like that. Uh, we will likely play your message on the show, so make sure you're okay with that. But if you are, uh, but you are welcome to call anytime. If you are a bit shy, don't worry. You can email the show anytime, Patrick at packfiller.com, and go that route if you wish, or drop a note on our Facebook page. So there you are. Let's find out who's on the show today, shall we, boys and girls? Yes, we shall. Sitting to my left, um, as usual, he's not drinking Belgian this year, this time, and it's my fault. He's he switched to Pilsner, and we can judge him for that later. Um, you know him, you love him. Some say he looks like an older Dave Stoller. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the show, the one and only Paul Maine. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Uh, just to clarify, that is a Freem Pilsner. And I'm doing it in honor of your last interview with Chuck, well, Chuck for, Kinlan. Because Cause it's, it's, he's, it's Freem Oregon. Freem is Hood River, though. Yes, but okay. it's in Oregon, right? And, yeah. And you, it was yep. in, yeah. Yeah. True. And there you, we go. Oh. You, you can hear on the phone, he's chiming in whenever he damn well wants to. He's not here physically, but uh, he's the reason no episode can go without the word bend being mentioned at least once on every show. Uh, welcome back to one and only uh, the producer, Karsten Hagen. Karsten, how are you? Oh, I'm great. And uh, bend. There it was. Over <laughs> Paul is a wonderful place to live. Bend over Paul is a wonderful place no, to live. No, Paul. I said all. Oh, <laughs> oh, I thought you said bend over Paul, and I was okay, going. If, if you want to, yeah. yeah okay. All yeah. of a sudden, there goes the child porn, and and that's it. <laughs> I'm going to be arrested. Uh, speaking of children, he's actually new to the show, although he was a part of Bike Towns episode, and um, I f- I actually found out through watching the footage of Bike Towns that uh, there was very well a good chance that that he would have dropped dead from um, dehydration. I think he was going through severe dehydration, talking about headaches and stuff like that. And this, but you know, as a good pa- parent, I blew it off. Um, <laughs> I'm still here. Right? Yeah, he's been part of that that show, and he's been part of obviously racing on and off for close to ten years. And he is also my son. We wanted a young perspective on the show. Welcome, Jackson Bulger. Thanks. Hey, you guys. It has been a busy week. And uh, I, I, I tried to figure out how are we going to start all this? How, how is this entire format going to roll? And then I just thought, screw it. Um, let's just start with the headlines right at the top. And I'm sure you guys all have uh, thoughts on everything that's going on with that. Um, and so I'm going to start with that one. Chris Froome, 
riding recon in the Dauphiné time trial. Attempted the farmer blow of all time, apparently. Tried to drain his nose, got hit by a gust of wind, and crashed incredibly going uh, and going incredibly fast. Uh, was thrown from his bike, sustaining multiple injuries along with a broken femur. In other words, no tour, and some are even saying a potential career-altering injury. Um, I, I, Karsten, I, I have a feeling you probably have some thoughts on this, so I'll, I'll start with you. Um, any thoughts on the crash and the situation surrounding it? Anybody? Um, I mean, not really. I, I sorry, <laughs> I, I, uh, the word karma comes to mind, but I, I don't oh. want to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, karma, really? Okay. Uh, I'm not a big, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that guy, but I wouldn't wish, you know, breaking a femur on anyone. Yeah. You know, and that was actually one of the later questions in this segment I was going to ask you guys, and, and I guess I could throw them all out there right now. The thoughts on the crash, thoughts on Froome's future, um, thoughts on the tour, what's going to happen now in terms of that kind of stuff, guys like Garrett Thomas, and, um, there's a big reaction on social media about this, and some people were actually, you know, not to call out what you just said, Karsten, but <laughs> to, who are actually praising and, and happy for the fact that this happened to this guy. Um, and so I'll, I'll throw all of that out there and see what you guys think in terms of the crash, his future, and anything like that. Um, so Paul, Karsten, anybody can chime in. Jackson, if you want. I mean, I I personally kind of find it a little, little bit of a bummer. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to see people battling it out on what – some people call the world's biggest stage. I mean, yeah. And without without Chris, we aren't going to have everybody battling it out at their peak. And I think I think well, formerly Sky now, Ineos is going to have to focus their powers on either Garen Thomas or Egan Bernal, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, it is a really unfortunate thing for for cycling. Uh, no matter how you feel, uh, no one wants. Uh, Dan Martin was actually uh, following. In doing a recon right behind, but Dan was in the car, right? He was in the okay, car because it was hard to and he watched it. Out. And pretty much, I'm going to paraphrase it. He looked like a bug hitting a windshield. He got blown off and hit a side of a house. Oh sh! And so into a he house? broke into a side of a house. There's houses going down. He was going. They figured anywhere from 53 to 65 kilometers an hour when it happened. So <clears throat> um, that's an unfortunate thing. You know, of course, my reaction is, oh, what a bummer. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. But I'm thinking, man, the tour's going to be interesting this year. And, and that's <laughs> then I'm like, what the hell am I thinking? But, I mean, it really does throw a spanner in it. But then there's always going to be that, that little ca caveat. Yeah, you know, so-and-so won the tour the year that Froome wasn't there. Oh, and just man. like Nibley, when he won in that gap for Froome, uh, Froome crashed out in the, yeah, in the, the cobble stages. Yeah. And and uh, Nibley won, so everybody kind of adds that little asterisk, which is unfortunate. And so, so I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. So, you know, you pointed out kind of the obvious um, front runners now is G and and uh, and uh, um, Bernal. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Bernal. Bernal. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Who are the dark horses? Oh wow! Oh, man, yeah. I mean, you know, Nibley Nibley's going to do it there. Uh, Dumoulin. Is uh, he pulled out of the yep. Dauphiné early, so he's going to be there. I think it's pretty wide open. Uh, Astana is obviously looking pretty good. Fogel saying, "Yeah, uh, he won the Dauphiné." Yeah, so I think there's. Uh, I think that it's, it's a wide open gate. But Landa rode the Dauphiné from no. Movistar. He didn't, or is he in he, Swiss? 
No, no, he did ride the dolphin. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. And TJ Van Garderen. <laughs> I, I know. That's sick, I just eh? feel weird saying that, but um, but I, I, if he can string three weeks together for the first time in his career, you never know where that's going to go. But um, with with uh, how about the how about the injury itself? There, I did notice that there's a conspiracy theory growing on on social media that was saying I don't know if you guys have seen the picture of Froome in his hospital bed with the thumbs up and things like that. Yeah. Zero visible road rash, um, nothing on his face. And they're they're saying if all these true injuries did happen to him, why from the torso up is there little to no road rash? See, he broke a rib, he broke a femur, I, he's got pelvic uh, uh, fractures. So, you know, if he's covered up to That's the like waist, bullshit. Hey. <laughs> what, Garson? Really? That I can't. No way. That's that. That's yeah, ridiculous. It is dumb. It's the theory is the conspiracy theory is dumb, or the fact that he has no visible injuries. The conspiracy theory is dumb. I agree. I mean, he yeah. splattered the way it was described. He splattered like he smacked against the wall. He didn't slide down the road. But I mean, he you expect something on his hands, on his elbows, on his At shoulders. 60, 60 k an hour, yeah. and, you, and it blows you, picks you up. And splatch it against the side of a building. I don't know if you have time to react. Okay, you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm 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 not basically condoning it or or going against it, but it just somebody did comment about that on a on a chat group, and I looked at that and I went, "Holy shit! Why you know why would they fake a crash though? Yeah. You know, unless there was something. Oh shit! You know, you're gonna get t- busted here for you know some sort of a." <laughs> illegal you know horse tranquilizer and then all of a sudden you know if we go from there but how about the uh how about the future i mean a broken femur is not something you just immediately are able to recover from and go back to all as well no i think he's done for the year at least oh, yeah. oh without a doubt and and uh yeah remember yoshiba bulaki yeah in the tour uh what was that yeah yeah totally. broke Good his point. femur and that was it so it depends on how severe the break is, though. Too. We don't know. So. And how old is Froome now, Jackson? I think you looked that up last night, didn't you? 34. 34? Oh, yeah. I'm not Jackson. He's but older than Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're running low. You know, yeah. he's running low on, on years. Um, I, I agree. I think it's going to open the tour wide open in terms of what we're going to see. And it might, knock on wood, heaven forbid, be one of those close races kind of like the Giro was where we don't know who's going to win Yates was riding really well until he came out with a uh, fever of some sort yeah, yeah. in the Delphine. Um I'm trying to think who else you know they're all flipping skipping my mind right now but um, I, it's definitely going to bring something interesting over the those three weeks in June I mean June July thank God I'm really hoping we don't I'm looking oh, I... I'm looking at the results right now for, for Delphine and I guess my question is, does just because Ben Gardner did so well, does that mean he's going to do well in the tour? If you look at the top twenty for this thing, it's a pretty it's pretty stacked. And but they've always there's always been this theory that, and I guess they, they I've even read that winners of the Dauphiné in many times have gone on to do incredible Tour de France. Yep. Or, or not. Yeah. yeah. TJ, I, I did read some tweets from Jonathan Botters saying it's great to see TJ in love with bicycle racing again. Maybe there was a mental thing that was happening to him at BMC 
and you know maybe he can find some way to string like I said earlier those three weeks together and I think that's the biggest thing TJ has always done really well at races like Perry Nice he's always done well at things like this Tour California if he has one bad day that has seemed to ruin things for him but it was it was actually I was glad to see him back he just I was kind of rooting for the guy I don't again I don't know how old he is and how long he's getting into it so there we go the other topic that seemed to be on, and it seems to be with crashes, and um, especially because I've been I've been listening to Paul's been t- actually making me and showing me that other podcasts exist on the sport of cycling, <laughs> and I've been listening to some of them in regards to dealing with issues of women's racing and the women's tour and things like that, and to see something like the I I, I wouldn't I guess I could say the the Chris Froome equivalent of the women's peloton with Mariana Voss having a horrific crash uh, just a couple weeks ago and that not necessarily ending her season, but definitely ending her her efforts within that on stage three of the women's tour. And I, I don't know if you get, if anybody in this listening to me on my voice, the two guys here, Karsten and Ben, um, if anybody saw the crash and can explain what happened to it, I don't know if any of you guys have the opportunity to see it. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. And, and it was, uh, unfortunately, they're, they're coming into a circuit um, and sprinting for intermediate points. It was as simple. She had the the girl that was leading him out, uh, leading her out, was uh, hit a pothole or something, went down, and uh, Mariana just like face planted um, pretty hard. And a lot of people, it was a big stack up behind there because it was in the front of the field. I think they said over fifty riders down. And it, it was brutal. It almost looked like there was some sort of a mechanical failure on her bike because correct me if i'm wrong and i'm thinking i'm watching the right footage where the person who went down first it was just like a you know a broken handlebar or something like that her shoulders were resting on the where the bars were and just lost complete control and spun out and that's that i think that's where the pothole yeah they didn't know but it looked like you know we've hit potholes and your hands slip off or whatever and i think that's what happened and then bring on it yeah, it just looked absolutely brutal. So, and that, and that does another thing for women cycling, taking out one of those big name people and, and things like that. So, I, I, I did want to mention that and, and see what was going on with that. So, those are our headlines. I'm going to move on to our topic of the show. Um, and I, I've been experiencing this lately, and this is one of the reasons I wanted Paul on the show, I wanted Karsten on the show, and I wanted Jackson on the show. Um, uh, just. Two days ago, Jackson and I finished, um, I guess, what has been re- uh, renowned, reported as one of the top grand fondos in the United States. Believe it or not, one of the best-reviewed fondos in the, in the United States. Small little ri- ride. Um, it's called the Chafe 150. Um, Jackson and I completed it. The ride was beautiful, North Idaho ride. I talked about this in the last, po- last podcast about where it goes along the lakes and in the mountains of North Idaho. Ride was great. It was competitive. It was hard. And at no point did I f- not feel challenged. In fact, I got a little too excited, I think we could probably yeah, say. Sure. Yeah, I had a flat, and I'll talk about that here in a minute too, but um, I was I was freaking out about it, and I found myself experiencing that competitive nature that I've been struggling to deal with. Um, I'm getting into that, that mentality again. Um, but then again... Our district championships are this weekend. Um, we had a Wednesday night rate, uh, Thursday night crit last weekend, and I just can't find the motivation to go out and race 
on the road. And it's weird because I'm racing on Wednesday night mountain bike races. I'm excited about gravel and all this kind of stuff. And Karsten, you recently posted about watching the Cascade Classic and not feeling that pressure to race. Am I the only one feeling it? Paul, you've got the motivation to race. I just want to, I guess I want to open it up and talk about motivation and what keeps you going and and what causes the it to fade away and, and go from there. I don't, I don't know if that's a very good intro, but I'm going to leave it out at that. <laughs> I, for me, it was liberated. Like I've been, you know, I, I've had two significant periods away from racing in my life. And, um, you know, the last one, I got back into it in around 2005. And, you know, for me, it was right place, right time. It was a really good thing for me kind of emotionally to get back into it. And I had some success. And for the last two or three years, it's just not fun. It just has not been fun anymore. The kind of stuff that I got to do, you know, diet wise and training wise with my work schedule as a 50 year old guy to be somewhat competitive. I'm not, I'm not willing to do them anymore. I got, you know, I'd rather hang out with my dog and <laughs> go paddleboard and, and ride my mountain bike a lot. You know, it just, it was this kind of this profound realization that I just don't want to do it anymore. And, but did you find yourself, at sitting at races, watching races, I remember when I first kind of took some time off just in college, I, I couldn't go to a bike race. I could not watch a bike race because I would have felt I, that stress. Me too. Me too. I could I could not go to a bike race before and watch it and not feel guilty for not being a part of it. And when I was watching the Cascade Crit, this is the first time I've really been able to watch a bike race and not feel guilty about not being in it. It was it was a it was a profound moment, honestly. Paul, you've been able to keep it going for a very long amount of time. Um, I talked to you uh, last week. You were saying, "Dude, I don't you know I want you to come out and bike race with me a couple times." And um, I, I run into this same course, same people, same result kind of a mentality. What keeps you going? What keeps it fresh? Well, you know, I, I can't deny there was, I had a big hiatus raising kids and stuff, but it was always yeah. in my blood. And that, that's probably why it's still fresh. But um, I've been going strong back in the saddle probably since, oh, probably about 15 years still. But, you know, I don't race a lot. There's still obligations at home. Um, so that yearning is always, I think I hit burnout early on because I was like every weekend packing your bags, going. <laughs> And then at a, after about five years of that, you're just like, what am I? I'm beating my head against the wall. So I think being satisfied with doing local races or aiming, setting a goal, and that's my motivation, is always like, you know, state championships. And I, I still, I've never done a Masters uh, Nationals uh, championship. So, you know, I, I want to make that road trip. So um, as when it comes to doing the same courses with the same people, you know, I thought about that. You mentioned it once to me before, but when I was in Belgium, and I, I don't know if I told you You've been to Belgium? Yeah. Wow. So, um, <coughs> yeah, 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 believe it or not. Oh, it was, yeah. It was really good. Shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you tell us about so, this? I, I will. I will. And, uh, <laughs> and so, anyway, what, <laughs> so anyway, we were watching uh, uh, the Ron van Flandren, and we are on the, the, the Capel Muir, and... There's a junior race that goes by. Tour of Flanders? Sorry. Yes. Tour of Flanders. 
And uh, <laughs> and, and I see these kids going up the hill. They're like, you know, 16, 17 years old. And Belgium's so small, people don't understand. These kids, from the time they're like 12 years old, are racing on the same courses. Because there's not much to, to draw on against the same people. It's yeah. just that you've got to find something outside of looking at that, in my opinion. And, and you know, I'm old and crusty and racing like the A group. And these guys, I'm racing against guys that are 26 years old. Yeah. And it dawned on me that by the time they're my age, I'm most likely dead. And I get a kick out of that, <laughs> you know. So, and then, you know, screw you, you beat me in a sprint. I'm half, I'll, I got one foot in the grave. I'll beat you, know? you to death. You yeah. Shit. yeah. You're wake. You know, so those are the things that I just get a little juice. You know, even the, there's a strong team in town that just dominates the series and yeah. stuff. And I always, you know, look, look to figuring out how to spoil their fun. I mean, you know. And, and, of course, if they're listening, they're probably laughing. It's like, yeah, you're no concern. But someday I will find it. Yeah. You know? And that, that, that's it keeps them going. That doesn't get frustrating, though. No, For example, no. when I went out, there were, you know, the first race of this weeknight series, we had probably 20-plus in, in the A group, quote-unquote. You know, they race in categories and by letters. We keep it simple here. Um, the, the second one I wasn't able to attend and then there was a hiatus and then this third one I attended and there were six guys, all of which were, you know, had either more time or were far younger and, you know, were just better prepared. They don't drink beer or something like that. I don't know what it is, but, um, and I, I looked at that group and I thought to myself, I'm going to get my ass handed to me. And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's probably not a great way to start a bike race, but, um, and, and I thought to myself, I don't want to come out here and shell out the entry fee to get my ass handed to me and only finish half the race. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, and I don't know, is that a cop out on, on my part or what keeps, you know, when you know you're not going to be able to be competitive, what keeps you going? Are you talking to me? Anybody, yeah. You know, uh, Jackson, you I mean, and I were talking what, about the... What you said is just wisdom right there. That's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a, you know, once you earn enough money to be able to afford the sport, you realize how sort of, <clears throat> uh, you know, you question how important it should be, you know. And I just like riding my bike. Yeah. Uh, I, I think people get different stages of their lives, you know, and, you know, Carson's at happy with, if you're happy with doing that or Grand Fondos, you're riding a bike. To me, that's not a problem. But uh, I think uh, you were mentioning the uh, entry um, numbers. Yeah. It, it's it's a reflection, in my opinion, of the age of road cyclers. Yeah. Uh, cyclists. Yeah. And, uh, and because... Our calendar in Washington State is packed for March. I mean, the first races in the yeah. first weekend of March, yeah. and by June, when the kids are out of school, there's no races. And, yeah. and if, if there are races, there are like 10 people. And then September comes, and it's cross season, and they're packed. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's my explanation. Well, something I've found, and this is where I'm directing it to you, Jackson, especially somebody who's, who's coming into this sport. Well, who's not coming into the sport. You've been at it. But, you know, you've we've done some things here and there and you've taken years off and now you're in college and things like that um the wednesday you're, you're faster than your dad 
He is. He is. <laughs> oh God, I've been looking at him almost weekly, just staring him in the eye and say, "I started training for this season in November, and he started training six weeks ago, and he's faster than me." Oh, the luck, the lucky thirty years that, that helps. Yeah. yeah well, um, but the thing about it is, and I, I noticed it with you when, and this is more cycling specific to the genre, to the to the form of racing. Um, our Wednesday night series, which is a mountain bike series, which is a different course every week. Um, it's a, and I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go with stereotypes here. It's a very upbeat group. Their guys are hang out after the race. They drink beer. There are some guys who are, you know, nationally ranked guys racing these courses and things like that. But we all have our different categories. You seem upbeat, you seem competitive and you seem to enjoy that. We went to the, the road race a couple weeks ago and you looked at me and you said, God, the people at registration were basically yelling at me um, and, and the group is intimidating and nobody's smiling. I mean, am I wrong? No, not at all. I think uh, we, we kind of talked about this last night a little bit, but like, I don't know what it is, but when I roll up to a uh, to one of the Wednesday nights, I, I feel confident, I feel ready and I feel good to go. And then when I took it to that Thursday, it's like it could have been a lack of experience because I've been racing uh on the road so little but like i'll look at myself and then like it's it's such a comparative thing with me a little bit i thought about it today and it's like yes while cycling is such like a team sport in the end it is individually how well did you do at the end of the day yeah and um and looking at myself comparing myself to everybody else it's like am i really going to be good enough and then i and i find this more with road cycling everybody's kind of looking at you you're the new guy um, yeah. and it's, it, it's intimidating. And to be honest, when I get like, when I get dropped three laps in and then I just go home and I don't get to finish the race and I don't get to finish with like, with a smile and everybody's saying good job. It's a little bit of a bummer sometimes. Are we, is, is road race racing? And I guess I come up with this topic almost at every single podcast, but I, I still haven't figured it out. Is road racing at an exit? existential there's the word i was trying to get existential crisis are is is the style of road race criterium time trial is it sustainable anybody i think the issue is defining um defining what it means to go fast in your bike does that mean entering a usac event or an Ober event or does that mean entering an event at all and just, you know, if you're going to record it, do it on Strava <clears throat> or just going out with your buddies and seeing who goes fastest. I mean, I don't know. I just think the whole idea of organized racing is sort of in, in flux. And, you know, I, I know given my position with Obra, that may be a little controversial, but I think that we need to make racing in a traditional sense um, fun again. And is it, is it, is it the people that are making it not fun? Is it the uh, format? I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that is, it's one of the toughest sports around. I played football, basketball, and baseball uh, as, as a little kid all the way through high school. Um, I was asked to walk on, on a local school, uh, college here and, um, in Cheney and, uh, you know, I finally came to the point at that for football it was like, uh, you know, 
I looked at the size of these guys and said, no, nah, I'm done. <laughs> and I think that maybe that's what happens. That was just in the shower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not farm folk, I tell you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that some of it, I think it's intimidating. And, and I think Jackson kind of hit it. I think, you know, he, he strung a chord with me about it's a team sport, but it's, you know, based on individual, uh, you know, performance. And I think the reason mountain biking, and I even heard this from a, a pro mountain biker, that the difference between road and mountain is that you are racing against yourself. Yeah, there's other yeah. people. And so you're comp- you have your goals, and, and no one can shame you for that. The marker on road racing, crits, and time trials, well, time trials you can kind of hide. You don't, you know, you can get blown out of the water and nobody knows, but um, is, is crossing the line. And if you're not even if in, in that lead group, you know, everybody just shuts down and that's no one likes to be judged yeah. and you're judged, you know? And, um, yeah, that's what makes it tough. Um, to me, that gives me incentive. If I, you know, personally it's like, well, God dang it, I got dropped. I'm going to work harder. What, you know, I, I assess it. Um, I need to do more intervals. I need more mileage or whatever it is. So that's, that's what keeps me going in road cycling. That and I, and some of those bastards with the bad mouth, I, I want to prove them wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, screw you. You know, you just called me a wimp. Yeah. And, well, speaking of like the whole like getting dropped and everything, one thing I thought of and I was trying to I was trying to explain like why on a on a Thursday night crit why I dropped out to my girlfriend because she she didn't get it for some reason and I was thinking about it for a while there and it's like like you were saying if you're not in that front group it's a very humbling experience and it's like you almost you almost feel embarrassed and you can't. Of course, this could be different for as many other people, but it's like you just kind of want to stop the embarrassment as quick as possible. Yeah. It's pointless if you're not in the front group. And that's exactly that's the right. thing. Like the public perception is that if you're on the front, you're winning. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's a, that's a disconnect from running. And that's a disconnect from the Fondo we did. That's a disconnect from gravel racing. That's a disconnect from mountain bike racing because you don't have to be at the front. You don't have to be one of the leader guy, leader lead people coming in. I, I hate to use the T word, but triathlon is a lot like that too. You know, they're just out there competing against the course and trying to catch the person in front of them. And that's what makes bike racing, road racing, hard. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it really hard, and why it's hard to keep people involved. Uh, um, yeah, right there, you nailed it. You know, so if you if you don't like a good beating, and, and who does? I do, but outside of that. Uh, let's not go that down there. Um, but, uh, anyway, that, I think that's where a lot of people, especially cat four, you see cat four fields are always full. Yeah. Cat three beginning of the year. Next thing you know, they're down to like, you know, one half of what they used to be. Um, because then you, you're starting to get, you you always move up fast in the cat, cat four race because you're strong and there's no team tactics. You just ride people off your wheel. If you're strong, you make it. You get in cat threes, all of a sudden there's, it's it's a different deal, and then you get into cat twos, and you're like, well, shit, I got to get on a better team. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm not performing, so I'm not going to get on a good team because I'm not yeah. making. And yeah. then people quit. Shit. And I, I guess another thing, problem I was having is, you know, here I got my I got my ass handed to me a week and a half ago, and with district road race and district crit this weekend, I'm thinking to myself, I haven't gotten any faster in a week and a half. 
Should I spend? <laughs> should I, yeah, exa- yeah, no, exactly. Should I spend fifty no. bucks for a road race, and should I spend thirty bucks for a crit when I'm going the same speed I was a week and a half ago? Well, let me say this real quickly: if you do the road race, there's a chance you might podium <laughs> because there's three of us signed up <laughs> in fifty plus. So it's like just being like being chased by a bear. Just yeah, don't be last. That one's more like that race is because of the gravel and stuff. Nobody knows what category. People just after the second first section of gravel. Me. Yeah, you just riders going. No, you know you you see people on the road and you're asking, uh, are you what what age group? What what cat? I mean, really? people are just scattered. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, am I encouraging you? My question you? is what 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 motivates you to do it? Even though let's say there was a hundred people in the field mm-hmm. that the thing that motivates you to do it is because this is, this is a part of your whole social structure and, yeah. and your, you know, your self identity, you're a bike racer, you know, you know, you don't, you know, Pat, you don't go around telling everybody you're a, a high school teacher. You tell people you're a bike racer. You have a podcast based on this. I mean, you, we all are socialized sort to a degree revolve around the sport. Yeah. And, <clears throat> You know, I mean, it's a big question for a bunch of guys, a bu- bunch of middle-aged guys. What validates you? And I, for me, it would be fine if cycling validated me. If it was, if I was doing something uh, that I enjoyed. That's why I'm riding my mountain bike more. Like I'm slow as hell, but every time I ride my mountain bike, I have a good time. Um, and I do not care how fast I go anymore. But I'm, you know. I'm, I'm around people that I really like. And maybe that's kind of what we're getting at. This is, it's a, it's a social activity, you know, above and beyond anything else. And uh, you know what? That's, that's very close because I'm thinking of the social elements of the races I have attended. The, uh, you know, I'm not calling a Fondo a race. Uh, I will never call a Fondo a race. Um, I should. Uh, <laughs> you know, but this last says week, Says the guy who posts... His results yeah. on Facebook. Well, this is this. All right. I posted my results. <laughs> I posted my results, but I'm. I, yeah, actually, you got me. I'm fucked. I'm fucked. It, yeah. We all knew how you did. I was riding competitively. I'm not gonna lie. I was riding hard, and I was trying to catch the and people. And that's why you panicked when you got a flat. I did. I freaked out. Um, and that's what's cool about bike riding and racing, right there. But but that being said. The social element was I was riding with my 20-year-old kid, and we were hammering it, and we felt strong, and we were having a good time. And then we finished, and we my family was there. We had a great time. We got to stay at this beautiful hotel on the water. It was a fun social environment. I got to see people I haven't seen for some. You know, there was a guy I walked up to, and I had to ask him his name because I haven't seen the guy in over 20 years. But we, but it was a social environment that I enjoyed the Wednesday night races, mountain bike races are a social environment where everybody's laughing and joking afterwards. The Tuesday night races were with people who, and one of them is going to know who he is, who chooses to use his sense of humor to belittle me in some way, shape or form. And I'm going to call him out on that and say, dude, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be insulting to be funny. Um, but, and, and then I watched Jackson, I watched you dealing with the people in registration and they were like, no, you can't do that. And bah, 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 bah. And, and the, the guys at the start line were yelling at other people, uh, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And it was a negative social environment. And I, 
I honestly think that's where the problem lies. Certainly a big part. Gravel, Dirty Kanza, everything I've seen about Dirty Kanza was fun. It was a party. It was huge. And they're figured, they figured it out. I think road racing... So in road, go, so in road racing, the, the, last, the last tangible role model that Americans have had yeah. in road racing, uh, in <laughs> terms of like broad media exposure, you know where I'm going with yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that may be... You know, maybe maybe his imprint on the sport is you know bigger than we thought. So you're so you're saying the mentality is to be a a grandiose asshole and sociopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Biggest dick wins. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many ball jokes I could make right now, but I'm not going to. Oh, God, we. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that, that could be it. And yeah, I have not gone, I've not gone to, I go to, you know, I go I, nowadays, I go to a lot more events as a sponsor or, you know, uh, than I do as a participant. And what I see at mountain bike races, you know, enduros, cross countries, um, people are way cooler. It's <laughs> just way cooler. Well, bringing that up, you know, Go ahead, Carson. Sorry, cut you off. No, that's it. I'm, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm good. When, yeah. when mountain biking in the late 80s, early 90s came around, we had a series, the WIM series, Washington, Idaho, Montana. Yeah. And it was a fantastic setup. I knew the two promoters on there uh, that really kind of got the ball rolling. And, you know, people were leaving road, road cycling like crazy by the droves because of that same dirty Kansas type atmosphere. Yeah. But it didn't take long when technology comes along. You know, people used to do downhill courses on rigid fork, you know, and then pretty soon the equipment gets expensive. And then, and, and the same with triathlons. The triathlons prior to that was like where everybody's like, screw road racing. Let's do this triathlon. And everybody's clapping for the person to, give, you know, come in dead last. Yeah. And, and then pretty soon it's an elitist sport. And mountain biking became branched off. Everybody did trials yeah it's like a stage race you used to do trials across country and a downhill and then pretty soon it's just everybody specialized and they're yeah. the bikes got just totally crazy well they still are and you know so i think what's happening is people are starting to return back to mountain biking with that attitude again it's like hey everybody's got an even playing field everybody you buy a bike it's full suspended you used to have to throw these things on to aftermarket bike, so, kind yeah. of stuff like that so you know i think gravel is going to start spoiling out here soon too i mean not real fast but carson Somebody carson I, I gotta ask you carson really quickly before you before you yeah. finish that up. are you on a factory floor somewhere or something <laughs> like that sorry no i'm getting i'm getting meat out of my freezer <laughs> <laughs> it is the hardest meat in the world it sounds like dude turn your freezer down a little yeah. bit uh, i just pulled a pound of uh, ground beef out of my freezer sounds like you're split hamburger <laughs> So let, let the, 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 you know, let the uh, middle-aged male bike races of the world know that I, I do not give a fuck about what I eat anymore. <laughs> so I, and I interrupted you. Could you remember your thought that you were going to say? Yeah, my, here's my thought. But you pointed out earlier that, um, you know, maybe the missing element with road racing is you, know, you could be in a – Jackson's girlfriend pointed out the fact that, hey, he gave up after being dropped. Or, you know, didn't put in the effort anymore. I mean, same thing any one of us would have done. Because in road racing, if you're not with the front, 
if you're not with the front, it's pointless. Well, okay, nobody's ringing a cowbell for you in, in that situation, but you could enter any mountain bike race, any cyclocross race. doesn't matter what you're doing. You're going to get the cowbell. And that that's why running is so popular because you could enter Portland Marathon or uh, Bloomsday, and it doesn't nobody gives a fuck what you're doing, like how how you're doing. It doesn't it just doesn't matter if you're winning or not. They're gonna ring a cowbell for you. Yeah. So and road racing needs more cowbell. <laughs> Is that? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I it okay, uh, and you know what? I don't. I know that the the four of us aren't gonna find the solution, but I I just. I'm concerned as as a person who is a lifelong cyclist, who is a lifelong roadie, and I've also been experienced other dimensions and uh, you know all the other styles of riding. Um, I, I it makes me sad to see that potentially the sport that I got into is going to evolve and it's going to change, and maybe we won't see some of these classic events still happening, but. You know, maybe maybe we'll see new life. You know, I'm Karsten, you were at the Cascade Classic and you saw hopefully some new energy and new life being brought into it. Um, and Jackson, you're you're seeing things from a younger perspective. And is there what is it that excites you about one over the other? You know, I don't, like kind of like what gets me excited to go out there. You, well, I've never seen you training this hard and I've never seen you more amped to race, but. What is it about one style of race that makes you more excited? I think particularly for, I mean, for me, for mountain biking, um, what I find more attractive about it is that, like, I I don't know what it is. I, I have this, like, newfound confidence, and it could be because I do have that, like, there's that social aspect afterward where every single person is going to tell you that, hey, good job, you finished, you know? Um, with road racing, I mean, like I was saying earlier, when I dropped out, it was a really humbling experience. And I mean, the human tendency is to <laughs> avoid things that you didn't, that you struggled with, you know? Um, and what, yeah. <laughs> is it coming down to that? Are we that shallow? No, I like running my head against the same wall all the time. Just beat, beat my brain. in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably why I'm still uh, uh, Yeah. I'm like, no, no, that, that sounds good. I, I'll just come back. I got my ass whipped. Really? I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. But well, I mean, uh, that's just me. But well, with with me, what was super interesting was when I finished that road race and when I got dropped. Immediately, I was on my phone and I was texting somebody and I said, "Yeah, I got dropped. I didn't do that well. Yeah. But I want to go back next week because I am one of the most competitive people in the world, Good. and that's what keeps me into it. But I, I just want I want to beat them. But we didn't go back next week. The next week, it's is I, that my fault or is that your fault? It's your fault. Yeah, it's Pat's <laughs> fault. Yeah. I'm yeah, Dad. <laughs> Way to go! Yeah. Drag your son down. Father of the year. Yeah. I I think I think when I give myself time to think about it, and this could probably just be me, but when I give myself time to think about it, I reflect on it more and more, and it's like, oh man, that really sucked. I really sucked. Then you start to get down on yourself, yeah. you know, and you start to think about the bad more than the good. And then when you reach that, when when a week passes by, you think, oh, do I really want to get out of bed and do that again, or yeah. do I just want to? race my weekly mountain bike race and you and I can go out for a ride anytime. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And... and Paul, we're looking at we were looking at numbers a week ago about the, our district our district freaking mm-hmm. championships. I keep wanting to call it state championships, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And as of a week ago, there were ten people signed up to the entire thing. Yeah, the <laughs> the organizers had he uh, emailed the head guys of, uh, of River City Red, the team that I ride for, and said, "Hey, we're at a crisis. We have a problem with." Um, our count is way, way down. Last year yeah. we had, uh, I think, over 90 riders, and as of Sunday we only had 16. Uh, we had 30. I looked. We had 30 uh, yesterday. I mean this morning, and then I made it 31. 30 total. Total. Not just total. one category. No, just 30 total. So, you know, you and I joked a little bit about, you know, I'm a procrastinator when it comes to because I don't know how I'm yeah. going to feel. You know, and I did the Thursday night race and I felt like crap, but I yeah. thought um, I might as well do it anyway. But uh, the worst I can do right now is third place. So you know, <laughs> I got that going for me. So uh, <clears throat> for right now, you know, yeah. So, unless you enter it, you bastard. Well, no, <laughs> we both know that you're going to beat me no matter what. You never know on road racing. Everybody who subscribes know. to our YouTube channel has seen nothing but pictures of your ass because I'm barely <laughs> holding on to it, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, so. I didn't like that. Yeah, what you just said there, hanging on to my ass. Well, pictures of your ass. I didn't say hanging on. Yeah, thank you. Did I? I did say hanging on, but I'm barely hanging on, not to your ass. Oh, I see. That's where you put that comma. So in a grave right now. Yeah. Like, wow. (laughs) 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 All right, subject change. Yep. Uh, Topic change. (laughs) We we had been texting uh, the three of us at least. Jackson wasn't included in this one, but uh, we were texting about different things to speak about, and one of them is I wanted to kind of take a little moment to talk about some tech issues. Um, Carson, you t- you were talking about disc brakes in the Dopine, and I also wanted to talk about the fact that I have my first road bike with tubeless technology, and um, I'm not a fan of tubeless technology. Um, not because of the s- danger situations we saw. I, I can't remember Paul. Justin you know? Jules. Yeah. Well, no, I don't. I think I'm the only idiot that actually caught that was. No, uh, I don't think so. There's a video of Justin Jules, and, and they have these barriers with the legs sticking out. Yeah. And in the sprint, he hits it, which those barriers need to be gone. But I watched that that sprint, and I'm like, oh, man, he rolled the tubular. The tubular came off. Yeah. It wasn't. And, of course, I do, I like an idiot, I freeze frame where he hits, <laughs> where he's coming down, and that's what caused this crash is that his tire came off. Yeah. 
um, and it was a, a tubeless. You can see all that white jizz stuff all over his legs and on his so bike. So many sexual and, and, references and, and, today. And you can see that it's a tubeless. If yeah. you zoom in on it. And I'm like, holy cow, a tubular may not have stayed on, but that's some of the reason why in the pro peloton, yeah. why they run it is because in those cases, they usually do stay on. Well, so. I had I have had two issues with tubeless tires over the last week. My front about a week ago, I was we were getting ready to go for a ride, and my front tire was flat. And I went, "Holy shit! What? That's weird. I'm tubeless. You know, you'd think it would maybe I I caught some glass or something like that, and it just sat on it and slowly drained. So I tried to air it up, tried to air it up, and it kept just you know to the point where that jizz was coming out of the oh god. The spoke nipple holes. I'm saying nipples, holes, and jizz in the same sentence. This is this is a big day for this is all a, of us. <laughs> yeah, Jackson's experiencing growth um, in a really bad way. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> all the hair is growing on my chest tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Poof. Um, and so that was problem number one. I had I brought that into the shop because there are two things I don't work on. One of them is tubeless tires, and the other one is um, hydraulic brakes. And uh, and then just this weekend, I was riding the rear wheel of that kit, and um, at one point, we were in the Fondo, and Jackson came to me, and he says, um, you might want to stop at the next rest stop, because I c- it, it feels like it's raining. You, you said that it... Yeah, it was, I, I, was looking at your rear, I was looking at your rear tire, and I was thinking, the road's not wet, and why yeah. am I getting wet from yeah. your tire? And I looked at your glasses, and there were spots on it, and then we pulled over to the side of the road, and of course, it was, you know, it was... Sp- Spitting stuff out all over the. Your jersey had it on the front of it, and I'm sure a couple other poor bastards in the fondo <laughs> yeah. had it on them too. Well, that's good what luck they get getting for. that out too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and so that I knew something was wrong, and so I took it upon myself to change the tire. So and put a tube in because obviously this tubeless technology is not working. That was the messiest clusterfuck I've ever gone through in my entire life. It was there was sealant all over my hands, all over the wheel. Um, and, and then I put the tube in and the, it had a thump in it because nothing was setting correctly. So I rode 50 plus miles thump, 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 thump. And the whole time I was just going, fuck this. I'm done with this technology. Um, Karsten is somebody in the bike business. Do you, what are your thoughts on tubeless technology on road? And is it really something that, I don't know, is, is, is it working? Yeah. So. Um, think back to seven or eight years ago. Um, how many flats did you change in a year? Three. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the same for me. Yeah, Yeah. three or two. You had more? Okay. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I ride more than you. (laughs) 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 Um, So... Here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'd venture to guess that you've had a lot more flats than you realize because, um, you know, uh, your, your tubeless system is alleviating those w- without you even knowing about it. You know, so often yeah. you'll finish a ride and you'll notice that the back of your bike is a little stickier than normal. It's because the, the sealant is doing its job. Um, that being said, it's probably a good idea to change that tire sooner than later because where, you know, where that 
that puncture happened, it's probably going to happen again. Yeah. And if you're not replacing the sealant, um, you're, you know, you're on a losing, you're in a losing battle because you, you're, you know, it's going to be easier to get a blowout the next time you ride. So tubeless doesn't mean necessarily that it's flat proof. It just means that you can finish more rides. Okay. That, you know, and maybe, um, maybe I'm being too judgmental on the technology. Nah. I, I guess my question is how much sealant are you running? And, you know, if you finished a ride where, you know, you notice that your rear tire, front tire is noticeably lower than it was when you started, means you probably got a puncture, but the sealant took care of it. Um, take the time to look at where the puncture was. If it's a big puncture, you know, the sealant's the one that take care of it for so long, you got to get a new tire. Yeah. It- but the point is, you're not stuck out in freaking Washtucna or something, you know, um, you know, I don't know, yeah. walla walla, whatever, with a flat tire with no hope. Or, you know, you got to do a drill of <clears throat> changing your tube. I mean, the fact is that the, one of the nice things about tubeless is you, you've been able to finish a lot more rides than would have if you had, if you were running a, a traditional tube system. I, I, I agree with you, but I also have to say, and then now if I have to start changing out tires, you know, yeah, I'm going to, yes, you do have to change out tires. And this was probably an old tire that I was on and, or I had hit something substantial yep. that caused this damage. Um, it is a disaster of a mess for a, a, a schmuck like me to change a tubeless tire with all of this sealant. And, and it's just so, I don't know. I mean, and I, I, I'm wondering if we're reaching to the point where, the technology is great, but I, maybe the learning curve. Maybe I'm just not into that learning area. Well, I mean, what, what I what I found was interesting was a few weeks ago I went out on a ride by myself and I got a flat immediately in the first like mile, and um, me being 20 years old and kind of knowing my way around doing all that, it, like I did it in probably 10 minutes, yeah. like which is slow. That's really slow. But no, no but it's okay. I've, I still only, love you. But I've, <laughs> but I've only had to do it like three times in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, watching you struggle with that, who's been doing it for much longer than I have. No, yeah. but um, it was it was just interesting to see how you struggled so like you had such this like learning curve. I, I don't know how to say it, but it was just like. But it was interesting comparing the two times, you know. It was just disgusting is what it was. I mean, it was just dealing with all that, that sealant all over everything. Here's my take on tubeless, and it, and it'll gravitate to disc brakes. Yeah, good. But I, I think tubeless is is a, a great invention. I think it's especially for mountain bikes. Yeah. Um, I think there's uh, even gravel. You know, the dirty cans of guys. So they have their cores that they pop in when they get a big hole. Um, I think that's wonderful on on road ride, uh, road racing or road riding. Um, I I question a little bit. Uh, like the hassle you go through, um, and it does. I can change if, a lot faster than ten minutes on on a declension. <laughs> I will say, uh, I, mean, probably, with it. I can probably get it done in three and a half minutes. And yeah. I, and to get, yeah, I I have a set of tubeless, and I like the way they ride, and uh, the setup is not. I I run tubulars, tubeless, and clinchers. 
Um, I don't like training on tubulars just because the angels cry every time. Oh you God! Get a puncture. So. so does your bank. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and clinchers are great for training. I love. I, I trust and have a hundred percent faith in tubulars when I road race. Um, the tubeless, it's still uh, it's early, but the hassles of trying to get that stinking thing that the bead. And I've got the new Continental uh, five thousand TLs. And they're impressive. When I put it on on that wheel and aired it up, there was no leaks. I, I aired it up, made dinner. I set it at, at six bar, which was about 90 pounds PSI. Okay. And I made dinner, hour and a half, came back. It didn't lose. I mean, that they have a different rubber compound, it feels like to me, right on the bead. And and I was impressed with that. But So, Paul, I, Paul, I got a question for mm-hmm. you. So, if, if you were running a traditional, you know, good, high-quality Conti with, a tire or two, a tube. Sorry, inside. Mm-hmm. What would your pressure have been? Same, ninety. Ninety. I, I run ninety really? or six bar all the time. Yep. That's low. I usually, I always do. Yeah. I don't get wow, pinch dude. flats. I don't. I, I I like when you ask that question. I probably put in. Oh, I have to check Strava. I, I haven't been riding that much. Maybe two thousand, three thousand miles a year in the last couple of years. And if I get a flat on the road, I've had one so far. And when we did the recon, yeah. On, yeah rvp but i don't um and i do run i run continental well four thousands um you know the the twos and uh uh, yeah i just don't get flats so um yeah it's so i guess for me some of the technology that works in one of our disciplines doesn't fit for all yeah and i think our bike industry being involved with it likes to try and and sometimes in a good way puts that technology in in the other discipline and it doesn't work so well but there's so much involved financially i think that they have a tendency to keep pushing it yeah and i think disc brakes and here's here's my opinion on disc brakes no perfect segue thank you i would never i would never ride a mountain bike without disc brakes a cross bike without disc brakes a gravel bike without disc brakes and this might be shocking being a curmudgeon of of the road (laughs) I would have, if I had a crit bike, it would be an aluminum frame bike with disc brakes. Because in crits, the whole idea is you don't hit brakes. And when you do, you need it instantly. Yeah, that's, wow. But road racing, it's a, it's a completely different thing. I mean, how often do we descend down the Alps? We don't. Yeah. You know, how often do, we do get wet situations, but for me, running my tubulars, uh, carbon uh, wheels with rim brakes, they're fantastic. They, they've got that figured out on the clincher side they don't because the problem is that thin wall that they have to have for the hook feed so i don't think disc brakes are really necessary on on road karsten i know you want to talk yeah i got two things for you number one we're all going hookless yeah um you will see nothing but hookless speeds within three years and higher end carbon wheels um so that that um takes care of that issue um, you know, my, like, if you're going to, uh, put this in real world, um, terms, watching the, what was the stage at the Dauphine, I think it was Friday of the Dauphine, where DeMarkey was out there with, uh, um, the break at the end with three guys, they had a clear break. One of those three guys was going to win. Yeah, Alaphilippe and, uh. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. right, yeah. yeah. I'm a Bora guy mm-hmm. and, and DeMarkey. And um, 
you know, DeMarkey made a stupid move uh, toward the top of the climb. I admit that. But I contend that th- those two guys, both of those guys had disc brakes and he had rim brakes. Mm-hmm. I contend that if he had disc brakes, he would have been able to catch them on the descent and he would have been a contender in, in the final sprint. And if you look at how he finished, you can see him in the background. He just he he couldn't catch him, and it's because they were descending better than him. And that's one one of the many things good things you can say about disc brakes. The, um, now, what what makes it so much different? Just as I mean, this is me asking is not only as devil's advocate, but probably as a bit of ignorance because I have not ridden disc brakes on a road bike. No, I got my opinions, Paul. Well, on 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 that incident that you're talking about, those guys yeah. were losing. Even the the two leaders, um, uh, Ella Philippe and and uh, gosh, I can't think of the the Bora guy. Um, they were losing time. Even to the pack was starting to catch them on the descent. But I think a little bit of tactics were going on. If Demarca was um, could have been blown, I've had descents where it doesn't matter what brakes I have. If I, I'm on the limit, my balance is off. My, I mean, you just, it's hard to stay on, on the wheel and stuff. But, I mean, that, that's all you know, conjecture. Um, but, yeah, there is going to definitely be times when I've seen studies, too, where, you know, guys are doing studies where in dry conditions, they're not that much of an advantage on descent, unless it's a long, long descent. And... Uh, so the, the, the advantage is, is certainly good in the wet. No one can argue that. Um, but, uh, yeah, who, who knows on that, that particular situation. But when it comes to wheel changes, that, that's still kind of a problem. I know they're working. My, my take on it, we will all in five years be on disc brakes. There's not going to be anything about it. But they need, they need to, like, get the, the imperfections of the – hub itself can be a millimeter and a half off and, and you're rubbing yeah you're rubbing yeah. so you get a wheel change you know and it's rubbing the you know the brake pad so you know those are the things i think they're figuring out the through axle they're using drills and stuff i don't think that's going to be an issue but i think the clearances and stuff on the disc brake so yeah. if you have enough practice with a through axle it takes just as much time or just as little time to change a through axle wheel as it does a traditional wheel. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, cause that's, that's all I've been right. That's all I've been riding for three years now. And I could do it faster at this point. That's just, it's just a matter of norms and, and, and what, you know, what the mechanical support is willing to accept. And that's, that's my issue here is that, you know, we're dealing with like traditional views you know, you got some you got some mechanic who's influential who says, "Oh, you know, I'll never be able to change a a disc wheel as fast as I can a, a QR wheel." I, I I think that's bullshit. I think that's totally you can totally overcome that. You just have to practice. I've I've ha- my life with disc brakes have been I love like you said I love them on my mountain bike. Um, I wish I had them on my gravel bike, Carson. When you and I were riding in Bend, I remember a car. We had a situation with a car. You were on disc yeah. brakes. I wasn't, right. and I almost ran right through you because. But and I had both brake levers buried to the handlebars, and I'm I'm running uh, cantilevers on that bike. You stupid right. bastard! <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I honestly, I remember I said to you, uh, Carson, I said. 
oh my god that was a moment where i wish i had disc brakes on this bike um i wasn't even thinking about it i remember it yeah and i was i wasn't even thinking about it and it wasn't a particularly wet day no it's just a matter of you know like learning how to trust your brakes way more than you would with a caliper or a cantilever brake yeah you you brake a lot later and you you come out of the braking a lot sooner that's that's, that's where you're talking about that advantage that's part of the deal yeah. and i think that's why demar i mean i think demarkey i think that stage with demarkey was a great illustrator of that you know yeah the, the field was catching up on him but the fact is he was up against two other guys who were on disc brake bikes and the finish the uh the finish um was you know uh it was a there was a technical very technical descent right before the finish and, and he lost him because of a tactical error at the beginning but i think he could have caught him if he was on discs so what and it wasn't wet what what bike was he riding oh he was riding a tcr advanced sl with caliper brakes uh-huh who's the manufacturer the of that bike <laughs> he, he could have been I, I think he could have i think he could have caught those guys mm-hmm. wow I mean, who knows how he did in the, who would have done the sprint? I mean, you well, know, no, yeah, Al Felipe is an amazing yeah. sprinter. We, yeah. you know, we know that, but at least he would have had a, a fighting chance. And just to put a little, you know, he was in the breakaway the day before too, and and was sprinting for the finish. So, so he's just it, tired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm We're just going to kind of just throw it out there. All right. Um, okay. Before we finish off, you guys, we've had a we've had a good discussion here. I want to leave it with some some kind of silliness and maybe some little simple opportunities for. And I'm going to emphasize the word short stories. Short stories. I'm Why are you staring at, you, at me? I'm staring oh, at you because you, you have a tendency. <laughs> I've been on a lot of four hour rides with you, and we've covered one. Um, that was a half hour show recap. So yeah. So I have, um, and I've been keeping these questions for kind of the end of the shows, and so I have a list of thirteen, and I'm going to cover two of them right now, and they're going to be under the category of oopses, does, and oh my gods. Okay. So um, so I've got two questions for all three members of the panel here, and um, I just want to see if you guys have um, a response to this. Jackson might be tough for you, but we'll we'll see what we can do. do um, the the topic, and I guess the question would be. What was a time where you finished a race and said, quote, I shouldn't have raced today? Karsten, <laughs> Karsten go ahead and go first. Oh, fuck. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm glad I can swear. Um, yeah, no, you're fine. No, Jackson, I'm sorry. I, I, I oh, he's, okay. my, he's my fucking... He, he goes to Catholic ears. school. He's fucking yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard the words. Yeah. Um, yeah I, um, basically, I'm so hard on myself that probably two-thirds of the races I was in, I, I, I asked myself why I was there. And then, you know, you get that... When you're fit, you get that once a year where yeah. everything lines up. You know, maybe two, but I, 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 I could, I, I can safely say that I think among the three of us that you get one event a year where everything is in alignment and you feel amazing and every, every decision you make is good and you end up with the result you wanted. Um, so I haven't had that in a while, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so what was your day you can recall specifically going, shit, I shouldn't have even, I shouldn't have gotten the bike off the car that day. Um, the last, 
local crit series race that I did, I got pulled. I mean, I just, I knew I shouldn't have been there from the beginning. Um, you know, I don't, didn't have any top end. I was probably at the time, 15 pounds overweight. I'm more than that now. Um, <laughs> but you know, like I lined up, I couldn't get into my pedal and, um, I knew right away that I shouldn't have been there. And the only reason I was there was because I signed up for it. Yeah. Nothing else. Did you ever, were last, you, were you ever on? Year. Were you ever on? What's that? Were you ever on the pack? Did you miss a pedal and then? Oh yeah. Oh no, good. That's got to be the worst. Yeah. 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 Paul. I hung in for the first half and then uh, Dylan Caldwell made a break and then split the field up and I was nowhere and I dropped out. And that, you know, for me, that was kind of my, like my, that was my come to Jesus moment where like, I'm really going to do this at age 49 at the time. I, I've got to do way more than I'm doing now. Um, you know, way yeah. more than I'm capable of doing now. Yeah. And, you know, I just, the next day I went out for a kick-ass mountain bike ride on myself. Okay. Right. I will say this. Um, that was not a short story. Jackson, <laughs> Jackson, day you shouldn't have raced. Sorry, man. That's I'm just used to it. Um, yeah, I think uh, now, that, now that I think back to it, probably the uh, the junior stage race that we went to. <laughs> oh, my God. The, so the first stage, for, for, some, for the people that don't know what happened, um, I... It was a crit. We um, it was we were in a team of two. Um, now we do have to add that you were racing under the shadow of two nuclear towers it, too. So that just makes it all such a bit over its sets up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, I love that course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the time, I was I was big into soccer. Um, I hadn't really been training much for this, and then um, I looked at everybody else, and I'm like, once again, lining up at a <laughs> lining up at a start line. I'm like, yeah. wow, these guys look intense. Yeah. And, um, and I immediately, I, once again, like Carson, I couldn't clip in, um, and I was at the back of the pack and I'm like, all right, I sprint all the time in soccer. I can do this. Um, and then second corner in, um, I just fly into the curb and I just go right into the gravel. Um, and right bef right at the beginning of that, I guess, entire stage race, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to do my best, but I don't know how, how well yeah. I'm going to do. And I never really had the confidence going into that one stage. And I think going into that corner, that confidence, I, that confidence low that I was experiencing probably did a little number on me. Shredded you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Paul. Well, I have countless amounts of stories of like, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. But the one that it was kind of like a, a freaky moment was, we had a stage race called Frozen Flatlands early in the year. Oh, yeah. And it started with a time trial. It was a 12-mile time trial. And it was pissing rain. And uh, it was in the morning. And so I went out, got back. I am soaked. I'm totally soaked. So I, I, I'm able to go home, change. And my wife says, yeah, I'll come watch the road race. And I'm like, you know, you're going to be bored to tears. But go ahead. So I'm driving there, getting ready. And this is before I, was a I had a senior moment. I forgot my shorts. I forgot <laughs> oh, no. my freaking shorts. And I'm like panicking. And so there was a local team here, a guy named Michael MD. He has a team. Yeah. And uh, he says, hey, I've got a box. It's early season. I got a box of shorts in my, uh, you can use in my car. And I said, all right. And he throws me the keys and I grab. And, and I can't find it. And I'm panicking because, you know, we're staging in about like 10 minutes. And I'm like, fuck. Oh, boy. Yeah. And so I just grab a pair. And I look at and. And I threw him the keys, and I took off, and 
and I'm go to put these things on, and I, it's got knots on the on <laughs> on the, like the bib on the part. tops of the bib. I'm like, this is somebody's pair of shorts, and then I look, <laughs> and it's moist from oh! activity. Oh! Oh! So, I'm thinking this. All right, just dive in, <laughs> dive in. I, I have no chamois cream uh, or anything. I'm, to... I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm drinking right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> how's that, how, how's that hamburger taste? I could not get the image of somebody's guys junk. Yeah, we're in that. <laughs> you know how well they breathe, and then my nut sacks on that. I'm like, this is awful, and uh, I just wanted to get in a breakaway, and then my bladder was so freaking full because I didn't have time to pee. I thought, I might as well just piss in these things. No, but no. I didn't. I didn't because it was dry. It dried out. Had it been raining, I would have pissed in them. They ended up, <laughs> I finally finished. I, I ended up getting fifth in, in the sprint and stuff. But the first thing I did is I rolled and just like in the middle of the parking lot, just peeled those things off. Like a few more seconds, we're going to do anything. <laughs> That's one I wish I probably wouldn't because it was in my mind the whole time. So. Holy uh, shit. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome, but Pat, Pat, I'm going to add that both of those guys were longer than mine. Yeah, they were. But, 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 <laughs> yeah, they were. Just to be fair. But, but Paul's had a little bit more humor involved. Like, here's my example. Oh, true. When I wrote the questions, mine was, for example, going to be the day I watched Pink Floyd's The Wall for the first time in my life. Was, was it? No, it was an hour and a half before I went to a crit. And, and I got to that crit, and I was so freaking depressed from watching Pink Floyd's The Wall. Jackson's looking at me like I'm on drugs because he has no clue what I'm talking about. Um, I was so depressed that I was standing at the start line going, I shouldn't race, man. I shouldn't race. And I got dropped within like three laps. So that was my story. Okay, and this one's going to be even quicker because it's our last question of the night. The dumbest piece of equipment you have ever bought. For example, I will give you mine. I bought a pair of those blue Patrick cycling shoes that Bernardino had because I thought they were so cool, but the, sh the sole was so soft I could honestly bend the heel to the toe with, with complete ease, but I, I raced in those damn things for like four years because I thought they were cool. Dumbest piece of equipment I've ever owned. Karsten, dumbest piece of equipment you have ever owned. Spinachis. <laughs> <laughs> Who can trump that? Jackson, uh, once again, we they lost were the it. the best. I loved them, but... Couldn't couldn't race with them. Yeah. Oh, you bought them right before they were banned. Yeah, right before. Like, oh. I, I think I did one race with them, and this is in yeah, and and then after that, they were banned. And holy shit, they were the best. Like, <laughs> you could you could get into a break with them, and you know, like not hang your hands over the bars like those. Like it, they were great. Yeah. And I don't know why they're illegal yet to this day. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, no, I agree. I've watched Paul. You ride with your wrists on the top sometimes, and I can't mm -hmm. do it. I'll fall off my bike. I can't do it. Jackson, dumbest piece of equipment you've ever owned. Be careful because I've probably paid for it. I, <laughs> I was about to say it's probably something that you have <laughs> bought for me, but um, probably second Arrive kit, the white one. Um, I had bibless shorts, and oh. I was showing a lot more than i was willing to when i would be bent over on a bike so i don't i don't see people i i it's so rare you see shorts that aren't bibs anymore yeah i, I do they even i mean i guess they, they do, sold them they but, still yeah. might sell them yeah but they're not a big seller but probably for obvious reasons right there exactly yeah. i had to 
make sure my jersey or you was get long. the sun sunburn between your jersey yeah and, and your short. back yeah yeah, yeah. That's nice. or it's, but it, i will weird. admit that a pee, cyclist tramp stamp you know, it's, <laughs> I will exactly admit that, I that going to the ba- that urinating with bibs is an interesting experience because you end up you know basically bending over at the urinal. That's, that's how I judge a good bib, is especially <laughs> in fifties with the prostate thing going on. <laughs> I've got to have a good you know exit. So okay, but oh, we could talk. We could talk about which bibs uh, accommodate guts more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in my opinion, Castelli does a poor job. And, uh, <laughs> It highlights uh, it. Yeah. You know what? Exciando does an amazing job. You know, I'm thinking about it because my our Jack Roo kit that we had a couple years ago, they are higher up on the belly, and they, yeah, they're a little they're above great. the belly button. I've got, I've got a pair of Jack Roos, yeah. And my my Castelli kit that we're currently in, it is below the belly button, but it's easier to pee in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes when you raise the, your arms in our Castelli jerseys, you see a little, little mid there. Mm-hmm. A little midriff, yeah. but that's—I think that's cool. Sexy. Yeah. It is. Uh, well, how often are you raising your arms, Paul? Versus uh, never. Uh, the last time I raised my arms must have been about twenty years ago. Carson, but, I know you got talked over there, but I know that you were insulting me there, and I and I picked up on it <laughs> and um, I, duly noted. No. <laughs> I you openly, in a non-passive aggressive fashion, yeah. but uh... <laughs> uh, Paul, dumbest piece of equipment you've ever purchased. Uh, I have to say. Without a doubt, a mountain bike. No, no, I'm, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm going with the flow of things here. Good night, everyone. All. Yeah. No, actually, first generation polypropylene jersey, and I wore it oh. the first time I got it. I wore it in an 85 degree day, and it never got rid of that stink. It never, it never. Polypropylene jersey? Don't you remember those? No. They were like a fake wool thing. There's no. I started. Helly Hansen's. No, they were a pace. Remember pace? Oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a pace. Yeah. It was green with black on the side where you know, and I was like sweating. I was riding and and stinky and and then I washed <laughs> it and it turned into like a ball. And you have to. <laughs> the, the first generation polypropylene was terrible, and you'd have to like. It, it was awful. It was like permanently wrinkled. Ugh. It was bad. I don't think I've heard the word polypropylene for at least 15 years. I've never heard it. <laughs> and I bought it 30-some years ago, so there you go. I had wool jerseys. How about hind? Hind. Hind tights. Remember hind Absolutely. Tights? Yeah. yeah. I might. Oh, yeah, buddy. Bellwether. Bellwether. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, my favorite, and this i got to end the show sometime soon. My favorite were those Dessant pants that were more of sweatpants than, um, than actual yeah. cycling pants. I wore them. I mean, tights, tight. They, they were supposed to be tights, but they were pants, right? But they were like sweats. Yeah. They had a nylon front, and the back was kind of softer fabric. I mean, they were basically, you know, as my father calls them, and I don't know why he calls them this, sit-around pants. You know, you just <laughs> and I would buffet pants. <laughs> I would, and they had the cool kind of stripes on the side, you know, staggered stripes going yeah, up the yeah, side. Yeah. I wore those so much that I think I honestly, I, I, I wore a hole in the groin. I wore them so much. <laughs> I, we don't need yeah, to know why. why. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Jackson's mother in here yeah. and see what she yeah. thinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll end on that. All right. You guys, um, thanks again. I don't know if we saved road cycling. But I don't know if we're ever going to save road cycling, but hopefully we'll we'll find some sort of a solution here. Maybe it's it's everybody gets a prize in the future or something like that. Every, all finishers get a medal oh, and, and yeah, I'll get to go home happy and with a with a 
cowbell and a pat on the back, or maybe we all just need to harden up and and uh, and, and just go out and be okay getting our ass handed to us. So I don't know. I don't know if we've got a solution. Uh, listeners, you guys, the person who's been sitting with us for an hour and 15 or plus minutes, um, be sure and subscribe to the to the podcast. Be sure and check out the YouTube channel. We've got Bike Towns Bend. See, Carson, I said it again, Bend. Um, and you can check out that video. I, I love your responses on that. And I gave the number at the onset of the show, which is 509-315-1142. Call into the podcast whenever you want. Let us know. Drop us a note. Tell us what you think. And we'll keep going from there. Other than that, I'm Pat Bulger, and I'm going to sign off for Paul Jackson and Karsten, who's going to go eat some frozen hamburger. Thanks a lot, you guys. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.